Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to Malachi, the third chapter. We're talking about uh, tithing. I've started a series on prosperity that then uh, we went from there, balanced prosperity, into the subject of giving. And uh, a couple of Sundays or so, I taught on tithes and offerings, maybe more than that, I don't remember how many Sundays. And then uh, uh, I moved from that to talking about uh, righteousness on Sundays, but I wanted to, to wrap up a couple of things in the teaching, on, excuse me, the teaching on giving. And so we've been talking about tithing and uh, looking at it from a very practical standpoint. And uh, we did so last week, and I want to continue tonight in the third chapter of Malachi. As we said before, Malachi chapter 3, the passage from uh, beginning of verse number 8, uh, going down through verse number uh, 11, is probably the most well-known passage on tithing in the Bible. Somebody said, well, I, you know, I don't receive anything, you know, it doesn't speak to me because it's Old Testament. Well... If, if, if that was the case, if you really felt that way, you'd really have to eliminate a good portion of the New Testament because so much in the New Testament uh, is supported by, in other words, the New Testament text actually includes quotations from the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament is true. Uh, we're not justified by the law of the Old Testament. We don't look to the Old Testament and do things that, are, uh, that we see there in order to be saved. Uh, but we do see God's opinion, how he looks at things, and he never changes. And so what is true and, and what is right and so forth in the Old Testament in terms of, uh, of obeying God uh, would be in, in large part, and again, not you know, the details of the law and the cleansings and all of that, but as far as principles of, of, of right and wrong and so forth, those things are still true today. And so in uh, Malachi chapter 3, it says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. We know that we're not under the curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if you do not tithe and get off, give offerings, you're still robbing God. You might not be under the curse, but you're still robbing God. And we live in a day of grace where, uh, you know, people can get away with things a whole lot longer uh, sometimes than, than they did in the Old Testament, but that doesn't change the fact that uh, tithes and offerings belong to the Lord. You couldn't say, the Lord could not say, you've robbed me unless these things really belong to him. And so uh, we read this and it goes on to say uh, in tithes and offerings, and he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Uh, we talked about uh, last week, we, we started with uh, the question, does all the tithe go to the local church? For some reason, this is real controversial, but it's mainly controversial among uh, uh, ministries that are not a part of the local church. Traveling ministers very often uh, want to, to present this in a different light. We'll, we'll rehearse some of the things we said last week and then go a little bit further. Uh, 
But uh, uh, it's more important that the local church be supported than than any other type of ministry or work. Various other ministries can and should be supported through offerings from individual churches, but the tithe belongs to the local church. And let me underscore that statement. Go over, hold your place here because we're going to come back. But go over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. And we see this principle in verse number 6. It says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. This is simply saying that people who minister the word Uh, We're talking about people who make their living ministering the word that they deserve to be supported by offerings. Amen. So uh, 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 it's right and it's good to, when we have guest ministers, it's good to bring offerings. We've always been, that's one thing that... uh, that has been a tremendous blessing to our church as I've always promoted supporting the traveling minister very well. And uh, no one has ever, no traveling minister has ever been to impact and went away without a good offering. I mean, our, uh, you, you all are very faithful in that and they receive good offerings. But even still, there are some people in our church who, who uh, don't, don't support guest ministers when we have them. Just give very little or nothing or very small offerings. And uh, uh, it says that let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. To share means to be liberal. And, uh, you know, when, when you support traveling ministers that God sends us, if we will bless them and send them on uh, their way in a manner worthy of God, I'm, I, it, it's been proven God will bless us. He has blessed us, and so uh, you need you, you ought to look at every opportunity to give just as that, an opportunity, not, uh, you know, Paul said, do not give as a matter of grudging obligation, but give generously. And so every time there's a project or, or we have a guest minister or anything that comes up, don't, don't think of, oh, boy, here's something else to give to. It might challenge you. I'm not saying it might not challenge you and you might think, boy, I don't know, I'm stretched pretty thin. I don't know what I can, you know, how I can help. I understand that challenge, but you should never fall to the, to the temptation to look, uh, you know, disdainfully or to think, well, you know, oh boy, you know, this is a terrible thing. Always have the idea and the attitude, this is just another opportunity to sow because give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So in every opportunity, we should, uh, when a good cause comes up, either it's a traveling minister or if it's a special project in the church, give to those things. Don't let any of those things pass without getting involved. There's a scripture over in, in uh, Ecclesiastes. It says that, uh, it says, cast your water, cast your bread on the water, and in many days it will return. Well, if, if you want, if you want a return coming on a regular basis, then don't skip opportunities to cast your bread. I think it's kind of interesting that we sometimes call money bread, but I don't think that's what was meant there, but uh, it applies anyway. Cast, cast what you have on the water and it will return. didn't say it will return overnight. It said it will return after many days. Well, I want it returning on every wave. I mean, I want it coming in constantly. Well, the way I do that is every time there's an opportunity, what do I mean by it? Every time there's, there's an opportunity presented to the church, then I don't really have to have the Lord to speak to me and, and move, you know, and especially deal with me about, I know that it's good to give. Now, I will look to him how, you know, how much, and if I don't get any particular leading, I'm still gonna give something. 
But if you'll look to your heart, the Holy Spirit will lead you in what you should give. And if you'll be obedient to that, you'll have return coming all the time. Amen? Uh, now, we, we looked at this fact. Go back to Malachi chapter 3. We looked at this fact that in the Old Testament, the storehouse, you know, it says bring all your tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse was part of the temple. And the tithe that the people brought in took care of God's house, the temple, took care of those who worked there, the priests and the Levites, and provided for funds to carry out his work. It was where God's people went to sacrifice, to worship, to meet in the presence of the Lord. The storehouse was a place, not just a ministry or minister. Today, there, there are a lot of people uh, in, on the television and media ministry and so forth that they'll try to uh, tell you that you can send your offering to them that they qualify you know a lot of times they'll say you know this ministry is a storehouse but it doesn't say send your uh, it doesn't say anything about sending it says bring your tithe to the storehouse and the storehouse was a place it was a location where the people of God assembled and then he says, uh, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So again, that's talking about the temple. Uh, the storehouse is God's house. And in the New Testament, we know, that, we know that the Old Testament temple typified some things in the New Testament. And so uh, we know in the New Testament that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, so when... when the Old Testament taught about the temple. It really prefigured, I said last week, three things. Uh, the individual believer's body, uh, the universal church, the overall body of Christ, and the local church. Really, I missed the fourth thing, and very importantly, the temple in the Old Testament was typical of Jesus' body. Remember, he, he said to the disciples, he said, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. And they got all mad with him. They said, you know, this temple took so many years to build, and you say you can raise it up in three days. And Scripture says he was talking about his body, his flesh. Well, uh, if you look at it that way, there are four things in the New Testament. The individual believer's body is called the temple of God. The uh, local church is called the temple of God. The universal church is called the temple of God. And Jesus referred to his body his physical body as the temple of God. Well, uh, of those four things, only the local church fits the description of a, of a storehouse. You couldn't, you couldn't bring your tithe to Jesus because he's not here. He, you know, he, he lives in heaven with a physical body, not just a spiritual body. He ascended into heaven in, in a flesh and bone body, human body. Well, you can't bring your tithe to him and so that wouldn't qualify. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't bring your tithe to yourself. You're not the body of Christ. You're, you're not the, you are the temple of God, but you're not the storehouse. The universal church isn't the storehouse. You couldn't bring your tithe to the universal church, church because uh, you don't even know where most of it is. The only one of, of these temples that qualifies as, a, a, as the description of a storehouse is the local church. Uh, again, it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse, not a storehouse. Uh, like I said, traveling ministers sometimes to claim, claim to be a storehouse. Uh, but the term storehouse is not open to private interpretation. The storehouse is what it is. You can't just reinvent it 
and, and, and call yourself a storehouse. The storehouse was a place where people gathered. And, uh, you know, I, I said this last week, that the various ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are never referred to in the New Testament as the temple of God. The church is referred to the temple. Our bodies are referred to as the temple. And, uh, and so the local church would be the only temple that, again, that would, uh, uh, could be classified as the storehouse. Uh, in the New Testament, the storehouse is the local church. The local church is the sheepfold, the place where saints are fed and nurtured in the faith. It is through the ministry of the local church that believers grow and, and mature into strong, committed Christians. The local church is where they are trained and equipped for service. Now, somebody say, well, the, the tithe belongs to Jesus. I know there, there are preachers that preach that. The tithe belongs to Jesus, and we're all part of Christ, and so all of the ministries get their share of the tithe. Well, again, we don't, we don't tithe directly to Jesus. We bring our tithe into the storehouse. Amen? And again, the storehouse is not, is not open to private interpretations. It is what it is. Uh, here in Malachi, this is such a powerful uh, promise that you wonder why in the world would anybody not want to get in on it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Why in the world would someone not want to get in on that? Now, last week I, I read this paraphrase, and this is made up of just bringing a lot of translations together uh, on this passage, and it says, bring as an act of your worship the full amount of your tithes, excuse me, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse, the local church, that there may be food in my house. And prove me now by it. Go ahead and put me to the test. Check me out. Experiment with me. Test me. Give me an opportunity to prove myself, and you will see that I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will throw open the floodgates of heaven for you and pour out on you so much blessing that you will not have room enough to contain it. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will protect the source of your income. I will stop the thief from destroying the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your labors, and the vines in your fields will not fail to bear fruit, says the Lord God Almighty. Well, who in the world would not want to get in on that? I mean, if you believe the Bible, but that's the problem with a lot of Christians. They say they believe the Bible, but they don't believe it. They don't believe all the Bible. It's obvious that some people don't believe this or they'd be getting in on it. I mean, this is a deal you can't turn down. Isn't that right? Well, why do, why do people, why do, they, why do they not believe it? Well, it's a lack of faith. You know, we found out that Abraham tithed as an act of faith. Well, tithing is an act of faith. And a lot of people, they don't believe it, and that just belies the fact that they're not full of faith. Other people, uh, they know it's true, all right, but they lack the honor. Over in, uh, hold your place here and go back to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs, excuse me, chapter 3. Mark uh, read from this proverb a little earlier when he was taking up the offering. But in Proverbs 3, Verse number nine, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Tithing is a matter of faith. And, and, and why, how do people not have faith? They don't have faith. They really don't trust God. 
That's really what it boils down, boils down to. They don't believe God can provide for them if they give a tenth of their income to the Lord. They just cannot see how they can make it. That's a lack of faith. Other people know it, but they're just, they're, they refuse to honor God with everything. You know, to, to, to earn a good living, to have income, God blesses you, gives you a good job, gives you physical health, gives you natural abilities and, and so forth uh, so that you can produce income. And then to not give a tenth back to God is dishonoring. You're saying that, that I did this on my own. I'm, I'm not going to give you your part of this. You know, in, in this proverb here that uh, uh, Mark read, Proverbs 3, it says, honor the Lord. Let's go, let's go back to verse number five where he read, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. By tithing, what you're doing is you're acknowledging in, in your finances, you're acknowledging him. He says to acknowledge him in all our ways. We should acknowledge God's hand in our lives in everything. I mean, everything we have, we ought to give glory to God for it. We know the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift, we produce ourselves. Is that what it says? No. It says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. That's where every good thing comes from. Some people say, well, I, you know, I did this myself. God really didn't help me do this. Well, that's not true. He gave you wisdom. He gave you strength. Like I said, he helped you do that. God could just take away your breath. Just, just like that. And, and, and he could take away your wisdom just like that. I remember the story that uh, Keith Moore told one time and he was teaching at Ramah and uh, he was one of the, the, of the school instructors and I think he was also teaching in prayer and healing school and he had been given a lot of, a lot of responsibility, a lot of opportunity to minister in different places and, and uh, I, I don't know if he was conscious uh, of it at the time but he had kind of, I guess, gotten the, uh, the idea just maybe unconsciously that, you know, he's pretty good at this. You know, he'd been offered all these positions to teach and God had used him and a lot of people were really, you know, uh, talking about what a good instructor he was and what a good teacher he was. And, and I guess he just, you know, unconsciously got, just sort of got full of himself, you know. And, uh, and he got to thinking, you know, I'm pretty good at this. He said, one day, he said, all of that just left. He said for, he, he suddenly, he could not put a sermon together. He got up to teach. He couldn't teach. He couldn't, put, he couldn't put sentences together. And he said, what in the world is going on? Then he realized, you know what? He saw where he had missed it. I've, I've been thinking I could do that, and the Lord was just showing me, no, you can't do that on your own. You're not the one that's doing that. God is the one that gives us every good and perfect gift. Isn't that right? Uh, and so there's a lack, a lack of acknowledging. We need to acknowledge God and, and, and return the tithe to him. So uh, let's talk about some practical instructions for tithing. Notice it says, go back to Malachi. In verse number 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Again, the storehouse was a place where you went. 
It's a place where, where, where the children of Israel, the people of Israel, they gathered together to a place. Notice it does not say, send your tithe to the storehouse. Now, I'm not saying that if you go out of town or something, you can't mail your tithe. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the principle here in this verse is tithing is something you bring. It's a, you bring it because you go to a place to tithe. And so uh, other venues, other kinds of ministries, that wouldn't be true. You would be always, you would always be sending the tithe, and that's not what this is talking about. The tithe is something you bring. The storehouse is someplace you go. So don't send it. Don't send your tithe somewhere else. Don't send it to brother so-and-so. Don't send it to, uh, you know, a, a TV minister or some other. I don't care what they say, and, and there are a lot of them out there. There are a lot of people who have some good ministries, but they're blinded in this area. I'm telling you, there's some very well-known uh, ministers in the body of Christ that have a lot of good. They teach a lot of good things. But in this area, they're so, and I don't want to you know, ascribe uh, motive, but whatever it is, they, 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 they want part of the tithe. And uh, it's unscriptural. I said it's unscriptural to send the tithe, that don't even send a portion of it to brother so-and-so because it comes into the storehouse. Now, I do believe in churches partnering with many ministries. However, now not every church can, can partner with every minister, but we have some ministries that we partner with on a regular basis. We have ministries that we tithe to. In other words, everything that comes into this church in, the, in a general fund, things that are not designated, just general tithes and offerings, out of that, we tithe. We take a tenth of everything that comes here and we tithe out of that. Now, that's not really taught as a, as a definite requirement in the Bible but if you know if God would would bless me and you for tithing God would bless our church for tithing isn't that right so we tithe we also give on a regular basis to other ministers just other ministries and and I have certain uh missionaries and and so forth that I bring before you every month you know there's a there's a thing that a lot of ministries are pushing today and and it's, it's right in, in, in one sense, but in another sense, it's not completely right. There's a big uh, uh, push today on, uh, for traveling ministers, media ministers, whatever that might be, to partner. They're, they're always soliciting people to partner with them. And uh, I had this discussion with a traveling minister. He called me one time and he wanted to come minister. And he, and he, and he told me about this great revelation that he had gotten. The Lord had given him this revelation on partners that if he produced, you know, he presented his ministry objectives and what he was wanting to do with all the churches everywhere he went and then he would encourage everybody in those churches, you know, to partner with him, to sign up with him. And I said, well, you know, uh, I'm not opposed to you coming to minister here, but I'm not gonna let you uh, solicit my church members for partners. And this was a few years ago and it was in the summer and I was actually, I uh, had been working in the yard and I'd kind of just sat down and was relaxing and gotten in the pool and just to cool off. And this guy called just, and I knew him, he's a friend of mine. And we talked for probably two hours and he argued with me for two hours about how, you know, that he ought to come and, and, and why in the world, you know, would I not let him uh, uh, partner? Well, to begin with, in this day of, of, of media, you can partner with anybody you want to. 
And I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to you as my wife and I, we give as a partner to certain traveling ministers. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about my wife and I. We give to certain ministers that the Lord, but you see, it's, it's ministers that, uh, to whom the Lord has joined our heart. They've ministered to us. There's a, there's a connection there. And so uh, I was trying to get this man to see uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. And I'm in favor of churches partnering with ministries. But ministers shouldn't go into a church and expect the pastor to allow them to sign up everybody in the church on their, you know, on their mailing list and to be getting monthly solicitation. I said, I'm not going to do it. He said, why not? And I said, well, to begin with, you wouldn't know. The vast majority of the people in my church, you would never know except for the fact that I invited you in here. I'm your introduction to these people. And I said, uh, ministers, you know, pastors and itinerant ministers, we're all part of, of large networks. of I, I know pastors and traveling ministers all over the country. And we, we belong to ministerial fellowships and groups and we're in contact with one another. And we kind of, we, we kind of know, the, know the scoop on one another. And if a minister gets into error or starts doing things that's, that's unscrupulous or gets... Now, I don't, I don't believe there's that much of that going on. Vast majority of all gospel preachers are honest and good and they just do good. But we all know that there are people that in ministry, I know personally there are people who in ministry and this is true of pastors as much as it is traveling ministers, but I know of a lot of ministers over the years, now the, the, the percentage is low, but the numbers are high, but I know a lot of ministers over the years that have, uh, at one time they were solid and, and just you know had reputable ministries, and then they started drifting. And they ended up teaching things and doing things that I never would have dreamed they would do. Well, the problem is you would know that. If Brother Doodad comes to this church, I'm not being disrespectful, but just Brother so-and-so, I have him come in. The fact that I bring him in to you is a de facto endorsement of his ministry. You think, this guy's legit, pastor's inviting him into the church. And I wouldn't invite him in if I didn't think he was legit. He or she or whoever it would be. I wouldn't have anybody in that I didn't endorse. Well, that's, that's an endorsement, but no pastor uh, uh, expects that endorsement to be open-ended just go on forever, that, that traveling minister has to maintain accountability. He has to maintain a reputation. Well, like I said, ministers are parts, we, we all participate in, in uh, organizations and, and, and we know one another and we hear you know, what's going on. But most of the time, the layperson in the church, you wouldn't know. Brother so-and-so, he's straight now. You get on his mailing list and he's every month, he's listing money from you. And uh, you wouldn't know three years from now, five years from now, you're still hearing from him every month, every month. You don't know. Is he still preaching the truth? Is he still on the up and up? Does he have, you know, some areas in his life where he's gotten out of balance? You wouldn't know that. So I just told him, no, you're not, you're not doing it. And, uh, and I would have had him back to preach for me and just wouldn't have let him put his, his, uh, his uh mailing list stuff out, you know, and his, you know, sign-ups and all that. I, I would still have him, but the fact that he argued with me for two hours. I'm, and I'm not exaggerating, two stinking hours. He argued with me, and finally I said, listen, man, I got to go. Well, guess what? He hasn't been back. 
Amen. He, you know, some people are just hard-headed. Amen. So I believe, I believe, what I, I said all that to say, I believe in people, partnering with people. Just be led of the Lord. I believe in partnering, partnering with different ministries, but it's not my job as a pastor to facilitate the wholesale signing up of my congregation to everybody's ministry that comes in here. Amen. My congregation is not, is not a, a commodity to be bought and traded like that. And it's just, just not going to happen. So I, I'm, I'm not real popular with some people, but that's all right. I, you know, I try to advise these pastors, if you, would, if you, instead of trying to come into a church and do an in run around the pastor to get to his congregation, sign up everybody you can so you can leave, and then you've got monthly appeals going out. Instead of doing that, if you would just honor that pastor and that local church, just be a blessing to that church, then the pastor and that congregation, not everybody, but I think every church ought to partner with those people that the Lord joins with us. And I, and I try to tell these pastors, the, that pastor will raise a whole lot more finances for you over time if he believes in you and he takes you on as a ministry for the church to support over time, you, you'll get quadruple more than you would ever manage to get by, like I said, running an in run around the pastor and trying to come in the back way. Well, praise the Lord. You're not traveling ministers, but it's good advice anyway. <laughs> bring the tithe. Don't send it, bring it. Uh, like I said, that doesn't mean that you can't mail in your tithe to the local church if you're going to be out of town. But when, you're, but when you're home, you ought to be here. Bring the tithe. Be faithful. Be consistent in coming to church. Amen. And, uh, and you do it as an act of worship. Tithing is not to be bondage. Tithing is the way that we, one of the ways we worship the Lord. Now, notice it says, uh, bring it first. The tithe is called the first fruits. It's not leftovers. My wife and I, we tithe at, when, when, when I get a paycheck, the very first check we write is the check to the church. We do that not because I'm afraid at the end of the month I won't have enough money. That might be true of, of people, but in our life, that's not true. We're, there's money left over at the end of the month. But the point is, I want to put it first. You'll notice that Abel, it says that when Abel brought his offering to the Lord, he took of the first fruit of his flock. One translation said he took a lamb from the very first, uh, lamb, he took the very first lamb born of his flock and he brought that to the Lord and the fat of it. In other words, he brought, he brought the best part. So get in the habit of tithing first. Let that be your first thing you think about. When, when money comes into my hand, mine and my wife's hand, we don't think if somebody gives us, uh, you know, $100, we don't think, whoo, I got $100. We think, we got $90. That's just the way we think because 10% belongs to the Lord. Put the Lord first and he will put you first. Then notice it says, bring all the tithe. All the tithe. The full 10%. The word tithe means tenth. That's what it means, a tenth. In, uh, go over to Genesis chapter 14. We're going to look at these passages two or three times tonight just to keep uh, uh, bringing out these truths. Notice when Abraham tithed to, to Melchizedek, it says that he, verse 20, he gave him a tithe of half. Is that what he did? He gave him a tithe of all. Go over to the 20, you might want to hold your place there. Go over to the 28th chapter 
of Genesis. This is talking about Jacob. Verse 22, the last verse in, in the chapter, he said, and this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. We know we've already read in Proverbs 3 that we're to honor the Lord with our substance and with our increase, how, do, how does it read? Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of what? All your increase. Malachi says bring all the tithe. I, a uh, number of years ago, this is way back over 30 years ago, we had uh, an associate pastor at that time. He and his wife were wonderful people, still are. And I mean, they're, they're the tops. In my estimation, I have the highest esteem for them, have for all of these years. But uh, this associate pastor's wife, her dad and mom were in town. And he was a very successful businessman. Actually, he was a farmer, but he was a farmer on a big scale. I mean, he had, he farmed thousands and thousands of acres. When he went to, uh, to bring in his crops, he had the big combines and, you know, just big time farming. Had been very successful, was very prosperous. And I knew that he had, uh, he was involved in the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International and sometimes he had given his testimony and talked, you know, at different chapter meetings. And so he was in town and, and so I, I invited him one Sunday morning to just talk to the church and I, I said, you give your testimony. Now, this, this, this associate pastor and his wife, they're not responsible for this. I didn't ask them later what they thought because I didn't want to put them in that kind of a position, you know, to, to you know, choose between me or her, you know, her dad or whatever, so I didn't ask. But I am absolutely confident that they did not agree with what he said. But he got up in my pulpit and he started sharing his testimony and I don't know why in the world he got over on tithing. And, and I was sitting on the platform and I've been told that uh, I, don't, I don't hide what I think very well. My face, you know, is... <laughs> Gives it away pretty easily. And I was sitting behind him on the platform and he got up and he made the craziest statement. He, and it didn't have anything to do with his testimony. He was doing great. And, and then he started talking about tithing. He said, you know, I don't believe that, that God is so nitpicky that he has a certain percentage he wants us to give. You know, just bring whatever you want to. And I'm, I'm sure my face, you know, probably was like, are you kidding me? You come in, into my pulpit with me sitting behind you. Now, you know, it's not like uh, my view on tithing was an obscure view. Most pastors and congregations believe that the tithe means the tithe. And here this man is in my pulpit saying, well, it doesn't really mean tenth. It means just any, any amount you want to bring. Well, that's just not mathematically possible. The, t the word tithe means a tenth. And a tenth is, a, is, is, you get a dime, it's a penny. Isn't that right? If you get a dollar, it's a dime. If you get $10, it's a dollar. If you get $100, it's $10. Isn't that right? If you get $7,650, that's $765. You know, I mean, it's a tenth. It's a figure. It's mathematics. It doesn't change. It's math. Isn't that right? So uh, bring all the tithe, the full 10%. Don't play games with the tithe. Now you can give over and beyond the tithe and my wife and I do that because we've just learned that the more we give, the more we get. God just blesses us more and more so we give far beyond the tithe but the tithe is still the tithe. There's no such thing as a 9% tithe. 
There's no percent, there's no certain thing, there's no such thing as a 7% tithe. The tithe is 10%, okay? That's just pretty easy. Huh? Tithe light, yeah. I saw this little cartoon one time in a ministry magazine and there was a little church, a little Chinese steeple, you know, a little drawing of a little church and had, and it was, it was uh, uh, something church light, L-I-T-E, you know, church light. And it said the home of, of uh, you know, seven commandments and, you know, the 6% tithe and all those sort of things. It said everything you wanted in a church but less. <laughs> well, there's no such thing as, as, as tithe light. Amen? Uh, now, there's no need to pray about where to give your tithe. A lot of these guys, you know, on the, on the TV, they'll tell you, well, just pray about it. And the Lord, you know, it's, I've heard them say, the tithe belongs to Jesus, so you just ask Jesus what he wants you to do. Well, anytime you pray to God to ask him whether you should do what he said, you, you, you're already on a loose footing. You're just opening yourself up to deception because, you know, you, you don't, he doesn't need to tell you to do what he's already told you. So when you say, well, I, you know, pray about it. No, you don't need to pray about where the, sin, where, the, where the tithe goes. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. Amen. Now, a lot of people tithe. They make this mistake. They tithe only on the net of their income. I know this is a, this is a, a, a you know, difficult concept for people. Abraham gave, Melchett, gave, gave the high priest a tenth of all. Somebody said, well, you know, I don't, when I get paid, the government takes, you know, a certain amount and I never see that. Well, that's true. So, so the, the idea is, is I get $1,000 a week, you know, pay and, and, and I take home 700. The government gets, you know, the rest of it and, and so uh, people will just tithe on the, on, the, on the 700. But the fact is, all, it says, all your increase and really, you made $1,000. So, well, I, I had 30, uh, you know, 30% taken from me, uh, you know, against my will, and I never saw that. Well, yeah, you did see it. You saw, you saw where that went. You, you drove on the interstate, didn't you? you? You know, when you went out, there weren't marauding bands of, of, of gangs, you know, just looting and pillaring, you know, the, the community, isn't that right? You pay, you get, now... Yes, it's true that our government doesn't spend all the money the way it should. There's some waste in government. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, that still doesn't belie the fact that you made the money. It was income to you. And you cannot figure out how much you got back in goods and services from the, from the government and how much is well. You can't figure that out. You, you know, you, you, you could go somewhere else. If you don't like it, you know, you really consented to that waste. We all did. There's waste in government and we all consent to it. You say, well, I'm, I'm not consenting to it. I'm, I'm against it. No, you consent to it. Because you could sit down and say, you know, the government's wasting X amount of dollars and I'm not paying it. You'd go to jail. <laughs> but you would honor your convictions. Instead, you go along with it. Isn't that right? 
So, you know, don't argue that it's not in your in control. It, it, it's in your control. You know, you could move away someplace and find, find, a, find a government that doesn't have any waste. If you can, listen, send me a postcard from Shangri-La if you can find it. You know, maybe I'll join you. But I don't think any place like that on the earth exists. So we do receive benefit from the money that's taken out of our, our pay. And we, and, and we ought to tithe on everything that comes into our hand. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, there are people who believe that it's okay to split the tithe between the church and then other ministries or other charities. Well, you don't split the tithe. The storehouse is the storehouse. My wife and I, like I said, we give to other ministries. We give to other works. Right now, there's a lot of, uh, of good work going on in you know, people giving to, into you know, the flood victims in, in Houston. I, recommend, I don't recommend giving to the Red Cross because there is so much waste and abuse there. But uh, Samaritan's Purse is a good uh, place to give. I encourage you to do all that, but you do that after the tithe. So, well, you, you just, you know, your heart's not right. You, you need to be more interested in those people. I am interested in those people. But I'm also interested in, in what's going on here. God has called this church together, and the tithe belongs to support this church. And when something like this comes up, we can give to these other charitable organizations and these charitable funds. That's all wonderful. It's above and beyond the tithe. Uh, then there are people that split the tithe between local church projects. Now, this is happening right now. We introduced the air conditioning, you know, and, uh, and, and, and uh, ICF missions. So, you know, when you do the accounting in the church, you, you, you see the patterns that people give. And you know, basically, you know, brother so-and-so, this is his tithe because it's regular. Every pay period, it's the same amount. That's his tithe. Then when we introduce the, the air conditioning, uh, special project and we introduce uh, ICF missions and suddenly that same figure is then split and some of it's a tithe and a little bit of it. That person didn't do anything other than tithe. But somehow they convince themselves that they're giving to these projects. But really they're taken from the tithe. So all of these things that we have, we do have special projects. You know, tithe first. The tithe should be first. And then these other things are extra. So I don't have anything extra. Well, you know, uh, you, you probably do. But, you know, let's just say, for instance, if there's actually somebody that doesn't have anything extra, well, then don't participate in it. But don't take part of the tithe and put over here and think you're participating in that thing. You're really not. Because we always take out of the general fund uh, when these things come up, we always take out of the general fund to help give to these projects too. So you're really not helping anything when you take it from Peter and pay Paul. Amen. Uh, so uh, splitting the tithe between local church projects is, is, is not the way to tithe. When, when tight, and <clears throat> when tight uh, difficult times come financially, anybody can go through a difficult time financially. That's when the pressure is on a lot of times and people will stop tithing because, you know, circumstances. Don't give in to that. When difficult times come, keep tithing. Now, if your income drops, then your tithe would drop because it's 10% of your increase. But just because you're going through a difficult time and you've maybe 
obligated yourself to some things that, that are now coming back, you know, to, to hurt you. You don't cut out your tithe. You're, what you're doing in a difficult time, if you stop tithing, is you're cutting off a source of tremendous blessing that you need. Amen. And, and, and there are people I, I see that do that from time to time. And uh, if they would just look around a little bit in their life, they'd see it's not working out so well. There's constant trouble, constant things going wrong in their homes and their finances and so forth. It's because they've compromised. So in tough times, stick with your tithing. My wife and I, you know, we, we, there was a time back in 86. We had, the church was in a, a, a little bit of a downturn financially. It wasn't real bad, but it was, you know, finances were off for some reason. I don't remember what it was, but the finances were down for months and months in a row. And so I met with our advisors, you know, and, and uh, I said, my, you know, I'm going to not take a salary myself. Now, we had an associate pastor, and we were paying him, and I was being paid. And I said, I'm not going to take any income until this financial situation changes in the church. Now, my advisors and this associate pastor protested. I said, no, pastor, we need to take care of you first. And this associate pastor, he spoke up and said, if anybody needs to be cut, I should be cut, not you. Well, my position was, though, you know, Paul said that, that the children shouldn't support the parents, but the parents support the children. The pastor's the dad. My position was, you know, I brought this pastor, his associate pastor and his wife from all the way, you know, all the way across the country almost to us, and, and I have a responsibility to him. So I said, no, we're going to cut our salary and just not take, we didn't take a salary period for so many months. It didn't take long. I knew it wouldn't take long to turn this around. It was only six weeks, okay. Uh, so, you know, for six weeks, we went without, a, went without a paycheck. Now, it was interesting. I put the church first, but my advisors and associate pastor was trying to put me first. I tell you what, when you have that kind of a dynamic in the church where the pastor's looking out for the people and the people are insisting the pastor gets blessed first and I'm insisting that the church gets blessed first, that's just a, that's heaven on earth. God honors that kind of stuff. Well, because I had the last say, it, it was my way. And so I didn't take, a, a, you know, an, an income for about six weeks. And during that time, uh, we discovered that my wife needed to have uh, major surgery and we didn't have any insurance. This was 1986, and at the time, I guess we didn't feel like we had enough income to afford health insurance. So we didn't have any health insurance. I'm not taking an income, and she has to have surgery. And, and then in the middle of all of that, uh, uh, RMAI had just started the year before, and I was one of the, uh, of the charter members and joined up you know, with RMAI, and they, RMAI was having its first regional fellowship up in... Charleston, South Carolina. And man, that was on my heart. I wanted to go that really bad. And the interesting thing was we never stopped giving. Now, our income had, had been cut, so there was, there was not a basis for our tithe, but we kept giving. And during that time, God supplied every need. Every bill was, was paid. I think the, 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 was it the hospital or the doctor that didn't charge us? The anesthesiologist just wiped our bill clean, didn't charge us anything. Surgeon cut his fee in half. Hospital let us pay on time. We never missed a payment. 
We never got behind in anything. We went to the minister's conference, the, the RMAI uh, regional meeting, and there was another pastor and his wife in the area who wanted to go and didn't have the money to go. We paid their way. So God, we proved God to be faithful in a time, and we've done this many times over the years. When times uh, of, of difficulty come in, in finances, don't cut back on your giving. Continue to obey God. If you have income, continue to tithe. Amen? Uh, now, this is a thing that trips people up. They only tithe on their regular income. You know, their regular salary or their regular wages, you know, if they get paid every week or every two weeks, they tithe on that. But then when something special comes in, they don't tithe on that. And I remember a, a lady that she and her husband hadn't been coming to the church very long, and, and this might have been the last time we saw them. Uh, I said something like this once, and she, and she stopped me outside. She said, no, wait a minute. She said, you mean like bonuses and you know, extra things that come in like Christmas gifts. I mean, we're supposed to tie. I said, is it increase? Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your, is it increase? Yeah, but this is, this is, this is, she could not get the concept, but this, this is not my regular income. I said, yeah, but it's increase. Ask yourself the question, is it increase? If it's increase, tithe on it. So that would include Bonuses at work, uh, sale of a piece of property, if you, if you profited from it, if you bought, you know, an, a, a, an automobile for $2,000 and didn't have an engine in it and you spent $2,500, put a new engine, turned around and sold it for six grand, that was income. In fact, I, I, I read this guy not, after this guy not too long ago and he was actually arguing that Abraham that what Abraham gave when he tithed was not something that we do today. We shouldn't use that as an example because that wasn't Abraham's ordinary source of income. Well, that just proves my point. That was not his ordinary source of income. But he tithed on it. We should tithe on everything that comes in. Uh, inheritances, gifts, legal settlements, it's really kind of funny. My wife and I talk about this. From time to time, people get up and they testify here in this church. Oh, the Lord, you know, something special came. The Lord, you know, gave me a new car. You know, not a brand new car, but God gave me a, 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 a I need a vehicle. My vehicle was broken. And God blessed, somebody blessed me with a new car. We've had people say, God's blessed me and I was behind on my mortgage. And somebody just came up and caught my mortgage. We've actually heard testimonies right here. And my wife and I are thinking, don't you know we heard you? Don't, don't you know we know that you got this in and we never saw a dime of, of tithe from it? Well, I'm not saying don't give your testimonies, but you, but you need to know we're smarter than that. Amen. It's, it's really, it's really uh, hilarious, but it's not so funny. No, if anything comes into your hand that's increased, tithe on it. Now, you know, if somebody gave you something that was of value, then you've got this thing, but you don't have any cash. Well, I, I know, you know, Kendra and Steve, when, when uh, someone gave Steve that antique truck a few years ago, Ed Dufresne, Dr. Dufresne, gave him that truck. And, you know, it was worth thousands of dollars, but 
you know, you can't take a tenth of the truck apart and give it to the church, you know. And so what they did is they just started tithing on it a little at a time until they could eventually tithe, you know, the value. Whatever the value of it was, they eventually tithed. Now, I think they eventually sold the truck, and, and I, don't know if they, I don't know anything about the details of what they made for it from it, but I'm sure if they made, in, if they made a profit from it after they'd already tithed on it, I'm sure they tithed more. But what I'm saying is there's a way to work it out. And, and if, you can't, if you can't afford it, then sell whatever it is somebody gave you. Well, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, why not? You didn't have it to begin with. I'm not going to let a blessing get between me and God. That's for sure. So if, if, uh, if, it's in, if it can be considered increase, tithe on it. Well, you know, that, that uh, raises other questions. I know years ago there was a family in our church, a man and woman, and they were very prosperous. This was way back in the very beginning. And uh, they owned a business, and it was a very prosperous business, and they were, very, they were actually very wealthy, independently wealthy. And I remember the, the, the wife would always tell me, now this was back in 1980, 1981. She would tell me, you know, Pastor, I, we only take $500 a week. That's what they took as salary. That was pretty good income in 1981. So we only take $500 a week, so and our tithe is $50. So she would always make it a point to remind me, you know, they only take $500 a week salary. But I noticed, because I, I knew then, just like you know now, you know how far so many dollars will go. I noticed that every year, at the beginning of the school year, you know, when it was time to buy clothes for all of the kids, they had a house full of kids, you know, they always got a lot of clothes. I noticed that, they got new cars, and I know, because I can add, I know there was no way their lifestyle was being supported by just by $500 a week. So what I'm saying was, there was income they were taking from that business, but because it wasn't salary, she would always remind me, you'd only make $500 a week. I said, yeah, but you just ref refurbished your house. You just did a, a you know, a, a multi-thousand dollar uh, renovation on your house and you bought a new car and you're doing all these things I know that's not coming out of $500 a week There's, there, you just, so anyway the point is if it's increase tithe on it amen uh, what about tax deferred retirement contributions now I'm not talking about contributions your employer matches I'm talking about you make you know thousand dollars a uh, a week and you take 5%, 10% and defer that into a tax sheltered annuity. What about that? Well, I don't ever see it. Well, did, was that increase to you? It was. You decided to defer receiving that, but it was still increase. If it was me, I would tithe on that uh, the amount I deferred and, I, and put into savings, I would tithe on that. And then when I started receiving distributions from it, I would just keep a record of that. And when I retired and started receiving distributions for that, until I reached the amount that I had put in it, I wouldn't have to tithe on that distribution because I had already tithed on it. Then when I got to the place that I was actually receiving more than I'd put in because I'd earned more, then I'd start tithing on that. So there's a way to work it out. Make sure if God blesses you that you are tithing on everything that comes into your hand. If you think about it, Abraham deferred everything that came to him when he met Melchizedek. 
the, the kings of Sodom, Sodom came out and said, listen, give me the people, all of the goods you keep for yourself. And so Abraham basically tax deferred all of that. He, he didn't take any of it, and yet he tithed first. So tithe first, and God will bless you. Uh, a lot of people have fringe benefits from their employer. Well, that's, if it's substantial, then that's income. Now, I'm not talking about some little nitpicky thing. If you have a computer, you know, that the company gives you and you use, you know, the, you have some personal stuff on a company computer. How are you going to figure that out? But on the other hand, if you have unlimited use of a company automobile and the company says, here's your car, you can drive it anywhere you want to, that's income. Praise the Lord. These are just practical things. Then again, there's uh, people who are inconsistent with their tithing. On again, off again. Sometimes they tithe, sometimes... Well, if you're inconsistent with your tithing, then you're not tithing. So if you're inconsistent with your tithing, you're not tithing. So be consistent. It'll bless you. Uh, holding your tithe until the end of the month or, the, or to a later time. Like I said, my wife and I, we, we, we consider it the first thing we do. The very first thing that comes in our hand... We're going to give it to the Lord. Amen. And then there are people who skip tithing on those weeks when they're not in church. Well, I didn't go to church, so I don't have to tithe. I was on vacation last week, and so I tithe faithfully when I'm here, but then when I'm not here, I don't tithe. Well, that's not tithing because you still had income. You had income. That's why you got to go on vacation because you had income. Amen. You know, the ministry goes on whether you're here or not. And, and you expect the church to be on call, the pastors to be on call 24-7 whether you're on vacation or I'm on vacation. We've, we've had times when my wife and I, we've been on vacation and somebody died unexpectedly in the church and we've had to come back from our vacation and preach a funeral. I've done that more than once. Well, that's okay. We're on call. Well, you're on call too. You're tithe or on call, whether you're here or not. Well, praise the Lord. These are just natural things, natural uh, applications, and, and sometimes people get mixed up in the details because the flesh will always want you to compromise. The flesh is always looking for an opportunity to, to short, you know, what God wants you to do. Don't fall for any of those things. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.